So, Sensei, let's get right to it. Okay. <laughs> when we first started the podcast, we recorded an episode on how to pick a sensei and how to pick a dojo. Of course, I'm going to put those into the show notes. Of course. But then the other day, I got to thinking about the commitment that it takes to actually be a sensei, to run a dojo. And today, we're going to talk about it. You know, I hope we get a lot of feedback on this one from a lot of our listeners who teach in all styles and in all things. Us. And on that note, this is Wildcat Dojo Conversations. I'm Sensei Jackie. And I'm Sensei Jay. And I'm, of course, your host, Sensei Michelle. And I'm going to start by tagging into what Sensei Jackie just said. We think this conversation relates to many types of teaching, if not all types of teaching. So if you're out there and you're listening and you can give us some feedback from another area, we would love to hear that, wouldn't we? Appreciate we, it. We'd love it. And of course, you get in touch with us at Wildcat Dojo all over the web. And on Instagram at Wildcat Dojo Conversations. And on email at Dojo Conversations at AOL.com. And don't forget to tease me about my loyalty issues being with AOL all this time. I just want to say I'm really glad to have you guys here to weigh in on this subject because it's a crazy subject, isn't it? It is a crazy subject, but I'm glad that we're opening a discussion on it because I really hope that our audience comes back to us and gives us even more ideas than we have ourselves. Oh, good point. Good point. Start us out here. All right. In my experience, one of the most interesting and um, surprising things when I started karate was how in the dojo, there was a mentor-protege experience constantly. As soon as a student learned something, the sensei allowed that student to teach another student coming up, whatever the concept was. And so it fell into to learn is to teach the thing that we've talked about many times on this uh, podcast and that that growth is possible from incremental beings at the beginning all the way through till I guess your Ted's done <laughs> or you're not breathing anymore either way. <laughs> I, I think that that is so important since Jackie, uh, when I think back about my training in karate and my education in school. And and I'm sure this is true of probably everyone. I could probably name three or four teachers that I remember their names from Mm -hmm. grade school to high school. And why is that? They touched me. Mm -hmm. They said or taught me something that changed who I was or what I was to become. Mm -hmm. I learned under a lot of senseis, a lot of them in the same style, but there was a few who really made a difference Mm -hmm. in my knowledge and technology. Mm -hmm. I agree that that concept of the, the teacher, can we just say maybe goes the extra mile to create a a bond between you and not just come in and phone in the information. It's one of the modern ways they say it. Yes. It makes a difference. And we will come back to teaching as a way to master. Well, we will come back to it unless the conversation tangents off, in which case we have no idea where it's going because <laughs> none of this is scripted. But I'm going to jump 
completely to the other side of the coin and say, yes, that relationship is created by an experienced teacher. But what about that first day when you're standing for the first time in front of a dozen people and you're all by yourself and you're like, holy cow, I'm actually supposed to know what to do next. (laughs) And they don't know you're more nervous than they are. (laughs) I love the memory of that day. There were a lot of first days. Like you have to get up in front of the students and run this portion of class when you're a brown belt. And there's all kinds of those kinds of things. But this is your dojo. You walked into it. You're running it. Or in your case, Sensei Jay, we could jump ship from karate and say your carpentry class, because that's one of the things you did was to teach carpentry, right? Right, right? That first time you're standing there, no, nobody's got your back. You're like it. And you're thinking, man, I hope I don't screw this up too bad. There's no course plan. It's <laughs> no, it's you. It's you. <laughs> Which one is my left hand? <laughs> <laughs> no, how about this moment? And then you start talking, for example, using Japanese terms. And they're just all looking at you like you're speaking a foreign language because, of course, <laughs> you are. <laughs> and then you have to bring it back to reality and bring the students back in with you. And that learning curve is wonderful. And it's a once in a lifetime experience because you don't go back to it. And it, it also can relate to other things. For example, if you if you teach science and you use too much science terminology, but you don't bring it into a language they already know. Exactly. Carpentry, same thing. How about the first time you hold your baby? Yeah. And do you have that feeling like, am I ready for this? Who is this? <laughs> what, what do I, I do done? now? <laughs> <laughs> what did I get myself into? It's, oh my goodness, it's crying. Right. <laughs> And you have no idea how long it's going to last and how it's going to go on and on for you. It's such a cool thing. I'm going to touch on this because I don't want to leave it out, but we're not going to stay on it. If you've ever had to leave a dojo because you're moving or because the dojo is closing down, maybe some people have that experience from when COVID was here. Oh, maybe. It's an actual loss. For oh. you. you have a sadness for you that you've, that you've had to leave that dojo. But I'm going to push us on to that feeling when now you're still a beginner teacher right? Where you're trying really hard to remember if you covered everything, say within a month. And you're saying, okay, I I definitely did back fist reverse punch, but wait, did I do that? How many times did I do that? It's such a weird feeling while you're getting organized, right? That's right. And you're evaluating yourself on the basis of, did I do enough? Mm -hmm. And how to fit everything in. Yes. It's so crazy. And then are they learning or retaining what I've shown them? Anything. Yeah. That's so true. How about the first time you see your students do something and you go, did I teach it like that? (laughs) Master Collegian used to say all the time, if you want to know what you're poor at, just watch your students. (laughs) They'll show you when your Zen is getting weak (laughs) or when you're forgetting to say, what does the word karate mean? One of the ones that I do still to this day all the time is so funny, isn't it? Well, I think a teacher in our schools or whatever, to be successful has to be dedicated to to what they're doing. Oh, school teachers, you, oh my god. You just can't go and I'm sure there are some that just go through the motions and this is what we do on day 5, but you have to be dedicated and and have a heart for your students. Because one of the things that we found after all these years of teaching is how fast the time goes. You wake up and it's a decade or four decades. But how about that moment in a class, any class at any time, when you realize that you and the students are in a different place and you have to tangent into a different type, a different feel for the teach that day. 
For example, you walk in with an idea, okay, let's get the work done first, kind of do things in a backwards order, and you get in the room and they're jumping off the walls. Well, nobody's going to sit down and focus. It's a moving target. Yeah, first you got to get that energy moving, and you have to adapt to that. And I think that's true in school teachers. And I know the good ones do it because I know many. It's so difficult. And you have to have such an awareness and a a balance on the tip of your toes kind of a thing. All right, now we're going this way. Now we're going that way. It's a wonderful skill. And some days we do it and some days we fail. True. One of the things that interests me, and you might be able to speak to me about this, Sensei Jay, where carpentry is concerned, is a sensei has, okay, three different words came in my head but I'm going to go with the honor of keeping their technology at a high disciplined level so that they're prepared for questions from their students and for people to do what a sensei is supposed to do, which is use their shoulders to let the student rise to their next level. Correct. 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 But I think that's true whether you're teaching the sciences or whether you're teaching with the woodworking. It, it was so true when I was teaching a, the carpentry construction class, and um, these were older gentlemen. They weren't, they weren't, you know, kids. They were men trying to better themselves and very weak in math. It was a skill that they just had not gotten. And to teach them the basic math and then to move into some fractions and stuff, I had to hone, rehone a lot of my skills so that I could present them. So what did that do? That made them better in math, and it also strengthened my skills. So it's a the, win-win. The whole room was learning. I had to learn more so I could give it to them. And I bet that kept the room together, congealed as a as a unit because you were all together on the same road. It did. And one little sideline to this, um, they were so lacking that I went to the drugstore and I probably bought a third grade math workbook. And on the front, it had clowns and balloons. I covered that so they couldn't see that. But when I taught them out of that book, that was never mentioned or I never said, this is really simple. This is what you need to learn. So you adapted to the situation. I adapted to the situation. And coming off of what you're saying and going to something that Master Collegian used to always say, he would say to, to me, and I therefore suppose to many of his students who were teachers. Right. If you can't get through saying it that way, Michelle, find another way to say it. And we do that regularly in the dojo. We constantly try to see their learning method, how they process information and adapt it. And it's it's a trick to do that. And in a room with, let's say, let's just make it just eight people moving together. That's right. right. That's hard to say it eight different ways within the context of the time you're allowed, which oh, brings me to the time. The time you're allowed <laughs> and the balancing of all of the things that you have to get into, not necessarily one hour, but into the dojo, whether it's physical strength training, kata training, technology, internal growth, um, partnering, sparring, self-defense. I was going to say, did we already say self-defense? And And being careful you're not leaving too many behind. Of course. Of course. And that there's something for everybody, whether it's the, the new white belt or the 
the brown belt who's still rolling his eyes because he's a teenager and that's what that's they do. What they do. <laughs> and and that it's exciting, well, at least acceptable for everyone. Yeah. It is definitely tricky. I think back in the old days, and again, we can go to whatever whatever teaching thing you want, whether they hit your hands with rulers and you were in a schoolroom, or whether the carpentry teaching was on the job and the person abused you, same in a kitchen, the person abused you while, while at the same time teaching you, so you stayed, or whether beginning dojos, whether you just kept up and then if you didn't, you, you just fell to the side. And I do think that there is... I don't know where it lies on the bell curve, whether it's a lot of dojos or a smaller amount of dojos that really want to include all kinds of people because all kinds of people can benefit from karate training. I have seen over, I'd say the last 15, 20 years, a much more inclusive attitude among the black belts that I know. Yeah. That are running dojos. A major example is special needs. Oh, yes. I rarely see a dojo that doesn't have at least one or two special needs people in it, rarely. But that's just an obvious example. You have all kinds of things where a person has serious shyness and in that kind of military, can we say, setting, right? My way or the highway setting, they would never have been able to stay. But in a, in a, a, a setting where the teacher takes that extra time to look at each person and know when they're lost or know when they're... Um, Going through some hard times. Losing confidence. Oh, yes. And maybe take that extra time at the end of the day to, to sit and talk for five minutes. Or even just a smile. Yeah. Or mentioning their name. Which we talked training. about so many times that if you're going to mention one name, try to mention all the names during that hour. Because the person whose name is not mentioned will remember it and take it personally. I definitely think so. In fact, we were just talking about that towards me and how I knew a teacher once and and that teacher did not mention my name for two years. And I mean, we knew each other. We would talk before and after class and she would not mention my name. This wasn't in karate, by the way. And going back to what I said earlier about remembering teachers and what you just said, Sensei, one of the teachers, his name was Mr. Bile. I was nine years old. And Parents had gone through a divorce, moving, all all the stuff that goes with it. And I remember one time in class, he gave everyone something to do. And he took me out and he set me on the steps. And I bet he talked to me for 20 minutes. About the divorce of your parents? About how was I doing and everything's going to be okay. And he understood, you know, and that, that memory is as fresh right now as it was back then. And that someone touches you. Yeah. that, That, that is such... That is just beautiful. Takes an extra minute. And just for the record, that was not in this millennium. No. So this is not a new concept. It's just at that time was a rare concept. Oh, yes. And I'll I'll stay on yours and say, I remember my third grade teacher. She went a little extra distance to make me feel less different than all the other kids. And that was nice. Fabulous. But let's get back to the technology itself, shall we? Because we are, if we don't be careful, going to run over, which we do all the time. And when I was a student and learning how to be a teacher from Master Collegian, he used to say to me, Michelle, you need to remember that once you give something to someone, it is theirs. It is theirs to cherish or to be wasteful towards. And he used to, and I have taken to calling our technology gold, like you're giving them a golden nugget 
And that's a cool visual, isn't it? And it is how many of us feel about every single bit of technology that we impart to someone else. It's awful when I feel that it's being wasted. Whether it's kata or self-defense or great sparring techniques, Techniques. sparring strategies. Or even just how to set up a, a physical plan to get ready for black belt testing. Oh, good. Or even how to set up a plan on how to run a class. Oh, right. For sure. Exactly. And so that whole balancing your, now I'm going to change it to my, because I'm the one with micromanagement issues, wanting them to get the technology right, but remembering now it belongs to them and part of it has to be their personality. That's tricky for me to do. Where's your line? Yes. Yes. I don't know if, I I don't know if people feel that in the sciences or in language, like when you teach someone a language and then I know that there's more than six ways to say um, snow in the most northern regions. But now you're the teacher and you've chosen this one means this, but then the student tweaks it a little bit and makes it different. I wonder if they feel the same way as I do. Maybe. Yeah. (laughs) See, that's interesting. I'm sure they do. And I think that's a universal feeling of ownership and gift giving. I mean, if I give somebody um, a hat, that I think that they would love, and they take that hat and they just give it to somebody else because they didn't care. I might care. Or they change the hat. Ooh. So they could wear it with a different outfit. And so they cut this part off and, and you know, add this color to it. And you're like, okay, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> but there is a learning curve for the teacher there. That's who it's for. Once yeah. you have given, you have given. And that's it. So that's a whole other part. I used to being a teacher. tell my students that your knowledge that you have is something that no one can ever take from you. Exactly. You relate it to karate. Yes, if you have it and you lose it because you haven't worked it, that's on you. Mm-hmm. I, I would tell my carpentry men, you have been taught to do this. You should always know how to do this. And what you do with it is up to you. Mm -hmm. But that's something that can't be taken from you. You always have that. And, and And I have that example because when I was a very young adult and my dad in his retirement bought a shoe and saddle repair and I went to work there and the shoemaker taught me how to do shoe repair and leather repair. And it's a skill that I will not lose. It is a, a, just a fabulous skill. And, and that was gold. That's what he gave me, you know, a golden opportunity to understand something. And that, again, has nothing to do with karate, but it is exactly the same. There's the door and this is how you open it. Yep. It's cool. How lucky are we to have been teachers and students? And I think you have the same thing from the standpoint of language, right? Before you were a Spanish teacher, you were a Spanish student, a student of, of the language. Yes, and I'm still a student of the language because something like that, like karate, there's never an end to the learning. And that, and that's what a great way for us to start to wind this down because all teachers are still students. They're always pushing on the good ones. That's right. They're always learning new things. They're always trying to improve in whatever way they can improve. One of the things I loved about karate when I first started it is that 
Master Cleegan used to say, karate can be from the cradle to the grave. Yes. And now that I'm older, I see that the practitioner really needs to constantly adapt to a body that is aging out of this existence. And yet aging into something more finessed, something that is equally good, but different. Yes, of course. So you can't be the person you were at 20 when you're 60. It it isn't possible, but you can be exceptional at every single stage of your life. And that happens with, and this is great because I think it works in all the categories, hard work, long hours, and constant repetition. Adapt and overcome. Yes. And the constant repetitions of life, whether you're learning multiplication tables, whether you're learning, I'm going to make this up. Tell me if I'm right. What nail size goes with what carpentry job? She got it. (laughs) (laughs) You passed. Or whether you're learning how to adapt your stances to a body that just won't jump in there and do it. No matter what you're learning, it is possible to be extraordinary at all ages. And that's a great thing. Attitude comes a long way. Yes, it does. So looking back on all the different things you've been both a student and a teacher in. Yes. Wouldn't you guys agree that for sure you wouldn't change it? I would never change it. I love it. Every single day is a challenge and an excitement. No, I I wouldn't change a thing. You know, from time to time, I still get calls from guys that I taught years ago. Mm-hmm. Just staying in touch, and it brings a tear to your eye. It really yeah. does. That you touch someone, you help someone, and they gave me more than I gave them. That's right. And the reciprocal relationship, which takes us right back to mentoring, that's the relationship that that comes. Is that the person who is giving the technology is also receiving, yes. and the person who is receiving the technology is also part of the giving. Giving, right? I think that is called um, symbiotic. Yes, it is. And I love that. All right, guys, look over our bullets here and see if there's anything else you want to touch on. Uh, I see the bullet. We wrote one word, testing, but let's not open that door. Let's do testing and it's horrors another day. All the ramifications of testing would be a, a great episode. And and testing is in everything. You When you're a carpenter, you test to get master carpenter. And in some degree, we're all tested by something every day. No, not in some degree. In actuality, (laughs) can we go to the one that drives us crazy every day, keeping our patients in traffic? That's it. (laughs) What else do you want to say on this? We said how much we love it. You know what? I would like to say one more thing because I don't think we stressed it enough. And that is that karate has the challenge of character growth as well as physicality growth. Right. Ours does. And that's a responsibility to be that person who doesn't just talk the talk, but also walks the walk. So if they want their students to be respectful, they themselves act respectful towards others and so on and so forth. The list goes on, right? Let's just wind out with a couple of more examples. If you want the person to be on time, you be on time. If you want someone to be kind, you be kind. Or how about have a high energy level in class? Don't bring your bad mood to the class. Good one. So these are all parts of being a responsible karate teacher that I also think might transfer into other worlds. Of course. All right, guys. So the bottom line is you got to get back to us. Did you like this episode? Are you in agreement or disagreement? Let us know. In the meantime, we would appreciate it 
if you would shop at our sponsor, Honor Athletics, Athletics of course. course. And the phone number is 770-945-5150. And the link is at the bottom of the show notes. And please use Wildcat Dojo to get your 10% discount so that I could probably get dinner from Sensei Michelle tonight. (laughs) (laughs) That that last part's a little tricky, even if they do use the discount, but we'll do our best. Chinese restaurant on the way. That's what I was just going to (laughs) say. Take out on our way home. Sounds good to me. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye, everybody. See you next time. Goodbye. And on that note, we are signing this one off. Thanks for being here. Hope you join us again next week on Wildcat Dojo Conversations.